If you spent your childhood running free in Toppenish, Washington, like Melissa Moore, life seemed limitless, open with possibilities, innocent. Melissa had no concept of the evil that would cloud her life later. When she was young, she thought her dad, who was six foot six, could protect her from everything. Keith Jesperson was a long-haul trucker. Melissa and her brother and sister couldn't wait for his return from the road each week. Rose Huck, Keith's wife and Melissa's mom, remembers those years fondly. It was as though Keith was a completely different person then, full of fun and games. The only time Melissa didn't enjoy her dad is when he'd take her to a pool hall or a truck stop. Hanging with the guys didn't bring the best out in Keith. While Keith was on the road, Rose was lonely. A big city girl from Chicago. She had moved to rural Washington after her parents divorced. She never planned to stay. But Indiana was the road not taken. Rose was still a teenager. That day, Keith Jesperson showed up at the fast food restaurant where she worked. It wasn't long before she realized Keith was after more than just the burgers. He picked her up with his giant hands and swept her off her feet. Rose will always remember Keith's mom telling her that her son wasn't ready for marriage, but she didn't listen to her. They were married in 1975 and spent a memorable honeymoon in a small western town. Although Keith never fully committed emotionally to Rose, he became attached to their three children. He was a gentle dad, although Melissa has a memory from childhood that affected her deeply that involved a black cat. It felt like Melissa's childhood stopped the day the cat died. Even though she tried to let it go, her childhood innocence was gone. 1989 was an extremely hot summer in Toppenish. When the fall finally came, storm clouds came in with it. A premonition that a tempest was about to rage and ruin Rose's life. <clears throat> Keith had changed. With the cleverness of a 10-year-old child, Melissa sensed a change was on the horizon. She didn't like the fact that her dad flirted with other women especially a waitress that worked at a local restaurant. While Melissa was concerned with her dad's behavior, a dangerous predator was stalking the bars looking for a victim. Melissa Moore thought she had a perfect childhood until the day she saw her father strangle a black cat. An omen bad things were about to happen. Her days in Toppenish were numbered. 
Keith was also pulling away from his family. Rose realized change was in the air when she started receiving calls from strange women. But Rose didn't realize the extent to which she and Keith had become estranged until the day of their 13th anniversary. She woke up to a shocker. Instead of giving her roses, Keith asked for a divorce, and he told her to be out of the house by the end of the week. <clears throat> Rose told the children to pack one of their favorite belongings and get in the car they were leaving. Melissa didn't realize it then, but her carefree days in Toppenish had come to an end. While Melissa bravely began her life in Spokane, Washington, not far away in Portland, Oregon, a young woman was about to spend the night on the town. It would be her last one. Her name was Tanya Bennett. She was a 23-year-old mentally challenged woman. On January 23, 1990, she met her killer at a tavern near Portland, Oregon. Later, it would be revealed that she went home with the stranger, had sex, and then said something that triggered his volatile temper. <clears throat> her body would be discovered eight hours later in a ravine. She was the killer's first victim. Across the state line in Spokane, Washington, Melissa Moore was feeling the loss of her childhood home. The absence of her father, Keith, it was a big adjustment for a 10-year-old girl. <clears throat> Melissa was overjoyed when her dad showed up in Spokane a while later. Would her parents get back together? But her heart sank when she saw what her dad was towing in a trailer behind him. Their beds, their dressers, everything from their old house. It was as if Keith was in mourning for the life and persona he was leaving behind. He would no longer be the good father and reliable husband he once was. <clears throat> Rose will always remember his emotional meltdown when he had asked for a divorce. This would be the last time that Rose would see the softer side of Keith Jesperson. He was following a dark and dangerous road that was leading to destruction. After the strangled body of Tanya Bennett was found in an Oregon ravine, two people were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Had justice been served or was the real killer still on the loose looking for a new victim? In Spokane, Washington, Melissa Moore was unaware her truck driver dad, Keith, might be heading for trouble. He had always been a gentle giant, a good dad. After her parents' divorce, she had to adjust to a new life in Spokane, Washington, where she was living in her grandma's tiny, unfinished basement with her mom and siblings. <clears throat> At first, the sadness receded when Keith would come into town for brief visits. 
but he wasn't the same fun-loving, light-hearted dad Melissa had adored. The new Keith Jesperson was moody, vulgar. He wasn't concerned about his young daughter's feelings in public. He would say very explicit things to women. Melissa was devastated. A sensitive child, she kept it to herself, keeping Rose from Keith's odd behavior. Melissa was relieved when her dad's visits became less often over time. He moved to Portland, Oregon and was constantly on the road due to his job. Then before she knew it, four years had passed. Melissa attended school. Keith kept, Keith's work kept him on the road and Tanya Bennett's real killer was still on the loose. until Phil Stanford, an investigative reporter for the Oregonian, received a weird letter from a person claiming to be the actual murderer. The letter had jagged, scrawled handwriting and little happy faces on it. In the letter, the person said they had killed five people and one of those five was Tanya Bennett. a case that two people were already in prison for. As Phil investigated the claims made in the letter, it became obvious this person was a serial killer. His victims were women who weren't easily missed by family and friends. He explained in the letter where he had left some of the bodies or how he had left them. And in some of the cases, he knew things that the public didn't know. Phil wrote a series of articles about the happy face killer, but no one in law enforcement were interested. If the police had known about a story Keith Jesperson had shared with his daughter Melissa about a date gone wrong in the spring of 1990, it may have caused suspicion about the handsome driver. He told her he had gone on a date that had gone wrong with a lady named Dawn that had a baby with her and that he had strangled her. Was she real or a figment of her dad's dark, twisted imagination? Keith also started to reveal sexual details about his relationships with women. And he bragged to her I know how to kill someone and get away with it. She didn't take him serious. She thought it was a product of his obsession with true crime magazines. One of his earlier confessions were true about the date gone wrong. The woman's name was Dawn Slaggle, and she was fortunate to be alive. Dawn met him in a parking lot in Mount Shasta, California after dark. She had gone there to cool off with her baby after a terrible fight with her husband. <clears throat> the giant of a man seemed gentle and kind. He offered her a beer that she accepted and they talked. She made the mistake of getting into Keith's tractor trailer. 
Dawn feared for her baby's life as Keith pinned her against the passenger door and proceeded to attack her, forcing her to perform a sexual act. <clears throat> Amazingly, Dawn and her baby survived the attack. Maybe it had been the baby's cries or the mother's pleas. Keith calmed down. Dawn escaped with her life. Dawn reported the incident to the police, but they let Keith go when she hesitated to press charges. Melissa went on a vacation to the Oregon coast with him in the summer of 1994. That's when she met Julie Winningham. Keith Jesperson would be the last person that Julie Winningham would ever date. In March 1995, a body was discovered on an embankment off Highway 14 on Sacmana County, in Sacmana County, near Camas, Washington. Rick Buckner, a detective with the Clark County Sheriff's Department, was called in to investigate the case of the unknown woman. The police conducted an autopsy and took fingerprints from the body, which they ran through APHIS. The victim had been arrested previously, and her name was Julie Winningham. Detective Rick Buckner was searching for Julie Winningham's trucker boyfriend, Keith Jesperson, who was now a person of interest to the police. They contacted the trucking company that Keith worked for, and after searching through their records, they decided it was time to bring him in for questioning. They, the police took blood, hair, and saliva samples from Keith and processed the inside of his truck. They interviewed Keith extensively for four hours, but couldn't get a confession from him. A few weeks later, Melissa's mom, Rose, was shocked when she received a visit from the police. A detective told her Keith had been arrested for the murder of his girlfriend. The kids were absolutely devastated. A few weeks after Keith's interview with the police, he called Rick Buckner from a roadside cafe in Arizona to, to confess to the murder of Julie Winningham. <clears throat> then Rick Buckner became aware of the Happy Face Killer letter. that led to the investigation to other crimes. Keith's family were left to cope with the aftermath of his arrest. The two innocent people who were convicted of Tanya Bennett's murder were finally set free. Melissa had to face the social consequences of her father's brutal crime some of her friends' parents wouldn't allow her to hang out with them. In a letter Keith wrote to his brother, he said he was a serial killer. In the letter he said in five years he had killed eight women and assaulted many more. 
While Rick Buckner investigated Keith's claims in the letter, journalist Phil Stanford paid a visit to the Clark County Jail. They started talking about how they could prove he was guilty of the murder of Tanya Bennett. Keith had said after he killed her, he had said in the letter he had thrown her purse on the side of the road. <clears throat> the police were able to find her purse, proving Keith's serial killer claim. The couple, Laverne Pavlinak and John Sanofsky, who had, been who had been convicted of a crime they didn't commit, were set free. And Keith pled guilty to the murders of Tanya Bennett and Julie Winningham. Keith Jesperson was eventually sentenced to life in prison for the murders of Julie Winningham and Tanya Bennett. Later, he received six more sentences for the murders of his other victims. It took years for Melissa to make peace with what her father had done. After realizing she's not alone that other people have gone through horrible circumstances, Melissa went on with her life. She went to college, married, and had two children. In 2005, she and her family visited her dad in prison which she decided would be for the last time. 